Good morning and welcome to the Trinity Assembly of God. Good morning. Scripture tells us, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. For who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, and redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your mouth is renewed like the eagles. Um, I trust that you guys have come to bless the Lord today, so if you will join me in standing in a time of worship, and we can get things started here.
Amen, amen. If you're a guest with us today, oh, you can be seated. If you're a guest with us today, we want to welcome you to Trinity. Um, Mark will be walking up and down the aisle, handing out VIP packets. Um, it has an information card if you want to just fill that out for us and drop it in the plate either in the back of the sanctuary or up here. Um, that way we can, you know, get in contact with you and you can be kept up to date with everything that's going on at the church. Um, just a few announcements today. Uh, today, if you like pizza, we have a tasty fundraiser for the youth missions trip going on at uh, Mod Pizza today on Sawmill. Um, and when you get there, we have these little um, flyers outside, or you can have a digital copy. When you go through, just show them that, and they'll make sure that whatever proceeds are going towards us will do so. Um, it will be a good time. Hope to see a lot of you guys out there. Um, Wednesday nights, we have church. I uh, just want to remind everybody of that. And all of our service times can be found in your bulletins. Remember, we talked about these last week. They're very helpful. Um, all of our ministry times will be in there for Wednesdays. Um, and then I was told this morning to make a special announcement. Our annual business meeting is on March 12th, which is not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. Everyone is invited. We're going to have a meal. Um, and I was told that it is bring, what is it, a side and, side dish and dessert or salad. So you're bringing two items total. Does that make sense? Okay, because they had to explain it to me like six different times. No, it didn't work. Um, so everyone's invited to come and ha hang out, have a good meal. And then um, afterwards, the business meeting, if you're a member of the church, you must attend. It's gonna, we're going to be discussing some important things that are coming up in the next year. And um, it's important that everyone's there for that. Um, now I'm going to hand it off to Pastor Ken, who has a couple of important announcements. They give me the least important ones. Um, so he's got the important stuff for you. You read the scripture. You said, and our mouths shall rise up like eagles. So I think you're referring to the pizza thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're going to, okay, okay. Praise God. A couple of uh, very important announcements. First of all, we want to honor a gentleman right down here. For over 16 years, Jim Moran has been the adult Bible teacher in the quarterly classroom, and he started that just before I started being pastor here. And he's getting to the place where he's having uh, some things that uh, challenge him, and he doesn't want to uh, be challenged in some of those ways. So he's going to step aside. He's going to still be involved in other things in the church. But Jim, would you come up here? And uh, we want to just praise God for your faithfulness over the years. Not, most of you do not realize that not only is, has Jim been the uh, adult Bible teacher on Sunday mornings for over 16 years, but a few years after he started teaching that, he and Charlene came to me and said they would take over the ministry of preparing communion each month. 
And so he's been faithful doing that these many years. And give him a round of applause. And thank you for all you've done. Buddy. Love you, man. Thank you. I love you, buddy. Love you. I had an exciting meeting yesterday. I had an exciting meeting yesterday, and we're going to be having one here uh, in the near future. I met with a group of people, over 15 were gathered up for our meeting in Delaware, Ohio, regarding the Holy Land tour that's coming up next January. Some of you have already expressed interest in going. We have some already signed up. But I had a large group there that are interested in going. We're going to cut off our registrations at 40 so that we're all on one bus and one, one guide and all together. We're going to be inviting you to uh, think about it, pray about it. It's life-changing. It was my thrill yesterday to have two people there I hadn't expected to see them. They're from Reynoldsburg and, and South Columbus. They were a part of my congregation when I pastored a wonderful congregation in Reynoldsburg called Eastgate Assembly of God. We have several people here in the church that were a part of that fellowship as well. But two of the ladies that were there, Val and uh, Betty, they were a part of my congregation that sent Linda and I on our very first trip to Israel as a pastor appreciation. And over since that time, we've had the privilege of leading thousands of people to a fresh awakening of Israel and following the footsteps of Jesus. And I consider it a ministry. It's not a trip. It's not a tour. It's an adventure. And the Bible comes alive. Val uh, Todd told me, yesterday that she remembers a picture that I brought back from my very first trip to Israel. And we showed it on the screen and we made copies for everybody in the congregation. And it's still something that grips my heart to this very day. That was back in the early 80s we did that. Some, I think it was Linda who snapped the shot of me looking inside an empty tomb. And I've never been the same. I encourage you to prayerfully consider this trip, and we will be having the 1st of April, we'll be having an informational meeting here. I'm setting up some informational meetings up in Belfountain, Ohio, and hopefully in the Cleveland area as well, some of the places we've ministered before. So uh, think about it, pray about it, and if you know someone that might be interested, Give them the information. Be a part of making the Bible come alive. One other thing I want to make mention of today, and that is we appreciate you and your faithfulness in giving. We're thankful for your participation because church is not just about showing up. It's about suiting up in the armor of Christ to go out and win a victory. So let's enter into praise and worship right now and give thanks to our God. You're not gonna win the victory and I'm not gonna win the victory in my own strength. 
in your strength. But he's the victor. Amen? We get to go along for the ride. Let's stand and cheer on the one who has made the victory at Calvary, the empty tomb. He's here in this place. He's promised wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, he is here right now, today, by the power of his spirit. Can we give him some praise in the house today?
between what remains of me and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters holding back a seas. And should I ever need set free there is a cross that bears the burden
Father God, you make a way where there is no way. When we come up to the red seas in life, there seems to be no way through. You part the waters. We walk through on dry ground. And we have a praise shouting time on the other side. Father God, there some of us gathered here today that are facing huge obstacles in life. Problems and predicaments that we see no way through. Be the way maker today, mighty God. Be the way maker today. And even when we don't feel like you're working, we know you are because you're faithful to your word. You said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, Father, we praise you. And sometimes when we're in the fire, you're standing right next to us. In a lion's den, you're right there. Father, be with your people today as we allow your word to move upon our hearts. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. amen. Praise God. We really need to talk, Carissa, Pastor Carissa. Three of my points have been occupied by three of your songs. And we really need to get together on this. It must be a God thing. Praise God. I'm thankful for our worship team. Some of them are traveling this weekend, and we have others on the highways and flying places. But aren't you glad to be in the Lord's house today? To give him praise. Last week, we began a, a series of messages, Lessons from a Dead Man. We're talking about Lazarus. Oh, he didn't stay dead long. But there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that one small story. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. I want you to realize that eventually he did die again. But we're going to have a reunion time up in heaven one day. And he can tell us about it later on. But we're going to study some of these lessons today. Would you stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word? Because the author is in the house Amen. right now. John chapter 11, again, we're looking there at this story, this episode. John chapter 11, and beginning with verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, 
that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Father God, we're thankful that your word has something to say to each of our hearts today about this thing called death, this thing called life, and this thing called living for Jesus. We ask your touch upon our time today in the name of this one called Jesus who conquered death. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Please keep your Bibles open there. Today we're going kind of behind the scenes. Even as John wrote this, he was helping people remember a story that he had not told. The Bible is complementary to itself. Not any one gospel tells all the gospel story, different facets and aspects. You say, why? Because you have five witnesses to a, an accident out on the street, you're probably going to have six or seven stories. All by perspective. What you saw from your perspective. And the Holy Spirit anointed the remembrances of Matthew and Mark and, and Dr. Luke and, and, and John to remember certain things at certain times for certain purposes and certain reasons. The Bible is not an accidental book. It is not somebody's memoirs. It's God-anointed remembrances of what happened and what the Holy Spirit wanted to be written. These words were not written because somebody woke up one day and said, you know, I think I'll write a book. No. God moved upon these people of old to put into words what his spirit was speaking to their hearts. And the cool thing about it is, right now, today, that same Holy Spirit that spoke to John wants to speak to you. Anybody up for that? Would you like to have the Holy Spirit Make the Word of God come alive to you today. Well, he points us behind the scenes about Mary and Martha and some of the episodes because this is not their first meeting at the graveside of their brother Lazarus. We believe most, I think, I don't know of any serious Bible students who do not believe that Jesus spent a lot of time anytime there was a feast or a holy day in Jerusalem he had to have a place to stay he wasn't from there his base of operation was a hundred miles or 75 miles to the north at Capernaum he was raised in Nazareth he didn't have a a close base of operation, and we find on different occasions Jesus stayed with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in their 
suburban home in Bethany. It was an upscale suburb from Jerusalem. How many of you like living in the suburbs? Most of us. Uh, it's different from city life. I go downtown Columbus or go downtown Cleveland or other places and I look and, and I, and then I'm really happy to get back home again. I was out in the country yesterday up in Delaware and I, I wasn't used to that much open green space. It's, it's amazing. So rather than stay in the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem, he usually stayed with his friends when there was a, a religious feast of the Jews. Because we know of several occasions when Jesus went up to Jerusalem at certain feasts, whether it be Passover or the Festival of Tabernacles or whatever. He, he went there at different times. And this is where he stayed. In Luke chapter 10, we read of one occasion, a very familiar occasion, when he stopped by to spend some time, he and the disciples, at the house of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Luke chapter 10 says this, verse 38, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister, Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to come help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. I know you've thought about it. I've preached about it. People have written books about it. We've got Mary and Martha. We need to realize that both are significant and important. We need Marthas. We need detail-oriented people. I am not one of those. Detailed people. How many of you are detailed people? We're in trouble. Oh, no. Detailed people. Martha was a, a worker and she had a lot of things on her plate and all you had to do was have a situation and she'd put that on her plate too. We need Marthas in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God. Dedicated servants to the Lord. Somebody, somebody's got to do the work. Years ago when we were raised in the Hansburger Methodist Church at 13th in Cleveland in Columbus, Ohio. They were having a vacation Bible school. And my brother Tom was a teenager at the time and he was helping out with the daily vacation Bible school, which was during the day. And 
the leader of the Vacation Bible School, who shall remain nameless, she's long since gone on to be with Jesus, she was doing absolutely nothing. And so people were coming to my brother Tom, who was the son of my mom, Ruth, who is a very detailed person, and uh, said, what are we going to do? And Tom took over, my brother Tom took over the running of the Vacation Bible School. All the different details. You know, you've got to have punch and cookies of an evening, of an afternoon for the kids. You have to have the crafts, supplies, and, and all the different things, and teachers for every class. And the lady who was in charge just kind of, it'll take care of itself. How many of you realize it never takes care of itself? We need Martha's. Tom stepped in and did all this work behind the scenes. And they were having a, the last night celebration. And the dear lady stood up and said, I just, I just want to thank the Lord because the Lord put this all together. And afterwards, I remember people walking up to my brother Tom and saying, Hi, Lord. <laughs> We need the Marthas, the people that are going to do the job. Somebody has to do the work. Somebody has to cook that meal. Someone has to do the jobs of ministry. Somebody has to watch the children. Can I get a witness? Somebody's got to handle the nursery. Somebody's got to teach that Sunday school class. Somebody's got to, to help out in various ministries like like making the communion, did you think it just poured itself? Somebody's got to do the jobs. Somebody's got to pack those food boxes. Well, bless God, I think it's wonderful how the Lord just takes care of that uh, food ministry that the church has. Well, he takes care of it through people with the spirit like a Martha who get the job done. Well, I've got something else that I have to do. Martha will find another way to get that done because she has committed herself to do the job. Somebody has to put the boxes together. Somebody has to take the boxes to the car. They do not do that themselves. Somebody has to register the guests. Somebody has to pray for the people in the cars doesn't just happen. We need the Marthas. But we also need the Marys. Mary, that one who sat at the feet of Jesus and soaked up what Jesus was sharing. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing his words, spending time with Jesus, studying the scriptures, singing the praises, coming to a worship time and and service time, uh, being a praiser, being a student of the word, coming to Bible study, sharing the scriptures with one another, the strengthening that comes from that, focusing on worship and prayer and spending time. Those are merry kind of things. And we need the Marys in the kingdom of God. We need both. 
It's not one or the other. We need both. Solomon said, there's a time and a season for everything under heaven. Right now, it's a time we're gathered to sit at the feet of Jesus, so to speak, by the power of his Holy Spirit and study his word and sing praises. Didn't you enjoy just praising God today? Prayer and prayer for the sick and, and blessing and encourage one another. Isn't it great to get together and hug one another and share the joy of the Lord and just be around each other? Oh, I missed you. Oh, it's so good to see you today. There are other times when this sanctuary is completely empty. None of that is going on here. There's a time for everything and for every purpose under heaven. Sometimes we gather and we praise God, but then there's a Monday. And there's work to be done. Most of you don't realize it. Some of you do. On Mondays, the couple of the board members gather to count the tithes and offerings, to record them, to do the business of business, of making sure everybody gets credit for their giving. Oh, I thought that just happened. No. On another day, Christy will come in and do the book work and and make sure everything is according to the way it should be in a business procedure. We can't always sit just at the feet of Jesus. There's sometimes we have to leave that place and go and do other aspects of the work of the ministry. When this sanctuary is empty, labor needs to be taking place somewhere else. Both are critically important. Jesus is speaking to Martha in the portion today. And Martha needs to understand it's not just about doing stuff for God. It's the attitude in which we serve the Lord. She had become a little on the self-centered side on her serving. Say that five times fast. It was all about, you remember what she said to Jesus? Jesus. She's just sitting here listening to you. <laughs> and she should be helping me. You tell her to get her act together and get out and do the work. And she said, Martha, Martha, Martha. She's chosen a good thing. There are other times and other situations if we're not cautious, we can turn serving God into something very self-serving. It can become about us. We can have wonderful times around the altar. But if we don't take that same spirit of God and go out into a world that's lost and dying, Satan really doesn't care how good of a service we have if we leave it here. You say, well, I think it would be easier if we just, we just ask people to come and then the Spirit of the Lord touches them. Many people will never come into the house of the Lord. But we can go to them and take the message in their direction. There needs to be a balance 
between the Marys and the Marthas. Don't just strive to be one. Jesus did not condemn the Martha aspect of her spirit, just wanted to redirect her focus. Fast forward to what's happened here in Bethany. Mary and Martha are faced with a crisis. Their brother, their only brother, is getting sicker by the day. There's a crisis in Bethany. What do these two sisters do? The old Martha would have told Mary, well, you do whatever you need to do. I'm going to take care of Lazarus. I'm going to cook. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to pour myself into helping our brother. Uh, if you have other things to do, you can do that. I'm going to take care of it. All, I'm going to make sure he's, he's bathed and he's, he's, he's getting good food and, and exercise, whatever. I'm going to do whatever. I, she can become focused on a job. But that's not what Martha did this time. It says that Mary and Martha sent word and invited Jesus to their crisis. Well, that's a big change for Martha, isn't it? It's not about all that she can do. She realized there's some things we just can't do. It takes Jesus. Have you come to that place in your life where you realize that's a fact? Some of us here are the Marthas. Some of us do the jobs and don't want credit for it, just want to do the jobs to make things happen. But there's sometimes when we can't make happen what needs to happen. And we call upon the one. We bring our crisis to his attention. Have you ever had a very difficult situation, a problem, a crisis in your life? And I'm, I'm just being honest. I've, I've done this myself. And then a little time into the crisis, you realize, you know what? I haven't prayed about this. I've just been trying to do this thing. I've just been trying to figure out ways to make this happen. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this okay. I'm going to do what needs to be done. I'm going to contact this and do that and speak to that person. I'm going to make all these things right. And I'm humbled by the fact that sometimes I forget to invite Jesus to my crisis. You say, well, that pastor, that's a terrible admission. Well, I'm willing to make the admission. Are you? This is a new Martha that showed up at the scene here. She's not doing all the details. I mean, they had, a, they had friends and neighbors that would come by. To, she would be all about caring for anybody who's coming by and making sure her house is all straightened up for the, anybody that might come over to see her brother and, and doing the laundry and everything else. No, this Martha they stop what they're doing and they send for the one who can do something about their crisis. They sent word to the one who can make the difference. They invited Jesus to their crisis. There may be some things that you're facing right now 
And the Holy Spirit is reminding you, you haven't invited Jesus to your crisis. Oh, no, pastor, I'm always. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and some of you were more honest that Sunday morning when we talked about our spiritual reflexes. Is prayer our first refuge or our last resort? Taking it to the Lord in prayer. Martha was a different Martha today. Of all the things she could be doing, she said the most important thing I can do is send word to the one who can cancel out my crisis. Whatever you're going through right now, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would remind you, sometimes we can be numb to what we're going through. We're just used to plodding on. Know what I'm saying? We, we're just used to one foot in front of the other. Well, and somebody else will say, well, you know, you got this and this and this going on. Well, I hadn't thought about that. Now I'm depressed. You know, you, we plod on. We, that the Martha in us puts one foot in front of the other and tries to make things happen. You may not even be aware of some of the crises that are encircling your life right now. It's time today to invite Jesus to your crisis. As I was preparing today's message, I don't know how this is going to function or work out. I'm just going on orders from above. I want to take a few moments right now, however long it takes. If it takes the remainder of the service, I'll step aside. But are there those here? The Holy Spirit's reminding you of some of the things you're going through, and you've not really invited Jesus to your crisis. Or if you have, it's been a while since you refresh that invitation in prayer. All over the sanctuary, I'm inviting us to invite Jesus to your crisis. To begin to cry out to him. Either where you are, standing, seating, or coming and to the altar, to invite Jesus to your crisis today. Lost loved ones, invite Jesus to your crisis. Sickness, disease, financial reversals, family troubles, fear, worry, fretting, stress, a multiplicity of attacks from the enemy. Would you be bold enough? Would you be a Mariana Martha today and call out to him the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness? You are, that is what you are. 
I'm just going to step back for a few moments. If no one responds, it's not my fault. But I'm giving you opportunity to invite Jesus to the crises of your life. To begin to call out to him. To begin to lift your voice to him. Oh yes, tears are even a language God understands. Invite Jesus to your crisis today. Invite Jesus, the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is what you are. Call upon his name, church. I can't do it for you. It's up to you to be the Martha and the Mary right now to take your crisis to Jesus. Must not be very many crises in the house. We must be doing wonderfully well. I'm being facetious. I know there's crises. I know there's crises. Yes, lift up that song. Maybe go to that person beside you that is weeping right now with their crisis. Invite Jesus to your crisis today afresh. Well, I prayed before. Today's another day. If we're not careful, we can, since we prayed once, we can go to a place where we say, well, I already handled that. We keep bringing message to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
said, when Jesus heard that, that Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The first thing we see there is that Jesus sees death differently than we do. Jesus sees death differently than we do. We see a stop sign. Jesus sees a doorway. We see an end. Jesus sees a new beginning. We see time. Jesus sees eternity. We see eyes closed in death. Jesus sees eyes that open in a new glorified body beholding eternal life. Jesus sees death differently than we do. We see a loved one close their eyes and a final breath in silence. Jesus sees death as if they've just taken a little nap. We find that Jesus said to him, Our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may wake him up. And the disciples said, they weren't getting it yet, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. Sleep's good for you. And Jesus, no. Our friend Lazarus is dead. And yet he waited a few more days because he had other plans. 
We find in the Word of God that death and sleep are compared to one another to help us understand. Some people fraudulently teach, falsely teach that when you die, you don't go to the Lord, you just are in a sleep. Soul sleep, they call it. And that it's not until the end of time that you get your wake-up call. Well, the Bible is very clear. When we cease to live on this side, we are present with the Lord. Amen? It's The word sleep there is not referring to a centuries-long state of existence. How many of you have ever taken a nice afternoon nap? Some of you are thinking about it even now. You got your chair, you got... Now, you're not going to stay there for the next 15, 20 days. How many of you know what it feels like to wake up refreshed from a, just a brief nap? And the Scripture compares death for the believer. We're talking about the believer. For the believer, it's like asleep in Jesus. And the first thing you know, you wake up, you're... You wake up, you open your eyes, and we fall asleep on this side of eternity. We wake up in the presence of Jesus on the other side of eternity. And it's just a brief moment in time. It says, we shall not all sleep in death, but we shall all be changed. He's referring to the fact that some are going to be alive until the coming of the Lord. And the trumpet will sound and boom, immediately you're transformed into a new glorified body and go to be with Jesus. I've been at the graves at the bedside of many, too many. It's always a, a tough place to go. I, I have held newborn babies in my arms that were struggling to breathe and their heartbeat monitor was on as it got slower and slower and stopped. I've been beside loved ones and you're leaning, hoping there's another breath to follow the one that they just released. That's what we see in death. But Jesus sees death differently than we do. He sees death as when they, the next split second, it's like they're waking from a nap. And everything's different. The pain is no longer there. This body has been replaced with a new glorified body. We're in the presence of the Lord, and he's welcoming us home for eternity. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, but do, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who you've seen 
kind of fall asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. They woke up in glory, in a new reality. They're not in the ground, hallelujah. The tent they lived in, the house they lived in, has been commissioned to the ground from which it came, dust to dust. But we are not, our spirit is an eternal part, and we as believers go straight to Jesus. Amen. We're talking only about believers here. There's an eternity for those who don't know Jesus too, and you don't want to be a part of that. They open up their eyes in a place called hell, and there's no escape. But for those who fall asleep in Jesus, it's just a brief nap. You remember when Jesus was in Capernaum, he was walking along and a big crowd was following him. And a fellow by the name of Jairus came up to him. He was the leader, the ruler of the local synagogue at Capernaum. And he says, could you come to my, my home, my little girl? She's 12 years old and she's gotten a fever and she doesn't even get up anymore. She, she's dying, master. And Jesus says, let's go. And while they're moving towards Jairus' house, Jesus stops and turns and sees a woman who, for 12 years, she's had hemorrhaging. But she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. And she was healed. And Jesus has a dialogue with her. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. And then a messenger came from Jairus' house and said, trouble the master no more. Your little girl has died. Over the years, I've done a drama, and it helps me when I do the drama to picture Jairus, his shoulders slumping. He's lost his little girl. But I see Jesus. You're not walking alone. That, some of those other songs we sang. You're not walking alone through these times. Jesus puts his arm around his shoulder and said, come, we're going to wake her up. She's just asleep. And they make their way to the house of Jairus. And all the community has come out wailing and mourning the death of this prominent citizen's little girl. They're screaming and crying and wailing as Jesus approaches. He says, uh, why are you weeping? The little girl's not dead. She's just taking a nap. And I've come to wake her up. And they laughed at him. All the way into the house, they laughed at Jesus. He just took a couple of his disciples with him, a few, and they went inside, and there she was. She was laying down no life in her. She looked like she'd just fallen asleep there. But Jesus knelt down and he took her by the hand and he said, honey, it's time to wake up. And immediately she flickered her eyes open and she got up and Jesus helped her up and she ran over and embraced mom and daddy and then Jesus takes her out on the front porch and the crowd stopped laughing and the crowd stopped 
bemoaning him and making fun of Jesus because there she was. She had woken her up from a thing called sleep of death. Jesus sees death differently than we do. But what was Jesus trying to say to his disciples? He says, this sickness is not unto death. Well, he died. But for the glory of the Son of Man. What he's saying is simply this. The end result of this crisis is not death, but glory to God. It's just as real a crisis, but the end result of it is going to be changed. The crisis of Lazarus, his sickness, the tragedy, the mourning, the death, put him into a tomb, the heartbreak, the pain, the anguish, the community gathers to mourn his loss. But that's not the last note of the song. There's another verse, amen? There's another chorus. Now they sang this song earlier too. Because it reminds me of the cross, the shame, the pain, the suffering, the death. As Jesus is impaled upon the cross, They've mocked him. They've spitted him. And he drops his head and dies. But there's another verse to the chorus. We sang it earlier. Sing it with me again. Lo, in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior. Up from the grave, he arose. A mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor from a dark domain, and he lives forever with the saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. He's telling the disciples there's another verse to be sung. Lazarus is is dead. And he waited some more time before he went there. The crowd had gathered. But there was another verse to be sung as he stepped up to the side of the grave and said, roll that stone away. And they said, but he's, he's been in the grave. He's already begun to decay. Jesus didn't even respond. He says, just roll it away. Lazarus, come out of that place. And propelled by the sheer words of Christ Jesus, the one who was dead had another verse to sing. He came out and they unwrapped him from the bindings and glory was given to God. 
Jesus sees death differently than we do. And we can see it like the world does as a defeat, as the end. But Jesus wants us to know, even in this situation, there's another verse to be sung. We've all been beside the, a loved one who has passed into the next life, a, 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 one who was a believer. And we realize that there's a victory note on the other side. We're going to shout again together. You know, we're going to shout again with Charlene, aren't we? We're going to shout again. We're going to lift some praise up. Because for the believer, death is not the end, it's just the beginning. So what have we learned today? Well, we haven't even gotten all the way inside the tomb yet. We'll get there next week with lessons from a dead man. But the first thing today is if you're a Mary type of follower, don't forget to embrace the Mary side of sitting at the feet of Jesus. If you're a Mary type of follower, don't neglect the Martha side in the trenches of service to the Lord. And realize, invite Jesus to your crisis every day. It may appear that he delays his coming sometimes. Don't be bad, mad about that. Realize he does his best work after a little delay. Three days laid in a tomb. Would you say with me that's his best work ever when he came out and conquered death and became the first fruits of those who in Christ live forever? Don't worry about the delay. He knows what he's doing. Many of you have already invited Jesus to your crisis. Some, I sense, held back. I don't know why. What can you do about your crisis? What can Jesus do about it? Would you stand with me, please, right now? These lessons from a dead man can help us live the life we're supposed to live. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to some hearts today, wants you to see death differently than you see it. You may know it up here. He wants you to know it down here. For the believer, this physical body does not represent the end of anything except confinement we're going to be released into his presence to praise him night and day. Heavenly Father, speak to us messages from this dead man, Lazarus. Speak to us about our Mary and our Martha sides. Speak to us about inviting Jesus to our crisis. Help us to see death differently 
than we used to and see it the way that Jesus sees it. Help us not to bemoan the delay, but to rejoice that you always have something better in store. Meet with your people today, Father God. Do a work in us because we've heard the message from a dead man named Lazarus. I pray it in Jesus' name. This altar is open for you to come to bring your crisis to Jesus, to bring your situation to Him, to heal some of the things going on in your heart. You're grappling with this thing called death. Jesus is the only one that really can come and comfort us because he's been on both sides of it by his own power. Some of you need the comfort of the Lord today. Bring your crisis to Jesus. When you leave this place, there's work to be done outside these walls. There's things to be accomplished for the kingdom of God. The altar's open. Would you come? Would you come? The brethren are here to likewise pray for those that need healing in their bodies as well. Like prayer for anything.